0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to Crossroads. We're so happy to have you here today. Will you please stand and sing with us this morning. Amen. amen. Good morning, Crossroads. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> well, we're glad to be with you all this morning. Listen, I have Chris on stage and she's got a special announcement for all of you ladies. Can I get a amen from the ladies in the house? Ladies, are we awake? Come on. Are we, are we awake? Yes or no? Come on. Here we go. All right, Chris. what we got? Yes. So this is for all the ladies. We are in full swing of planning the women's retreat for this year, so we want to invite you all, save the date, the last weekend in April. Um, We will be three days, Friday evening, Saturday, and Sunday morning, and it's
1: just a time where we get to debrief with each other, soak in the word, laugh, cry, have fun, play games. It's a really good weekend. Um, Men, I would encourage you to encourage the ladies in your life to also attend. Um, and there's more to come, but we will have a, um, a table in the back if you need more information. Um, it's all about making heaven crowded. So that's the goal when, we hear, when we're here on earth. And um, in order to do that, we need to understand heaven itself. So we're going to learn all things heaven and be able to be prepared to go back out and um, make heaven crowded.
0: Thanks, Chris. So if you see that QR code on the screen, there's also a handout in your bulletin that you can scan that with your phone. It will take you to the website or skip that and just go straight to the website. Uh, whatever works for you on the front page of our website is a little um, card on there. It's a little page. You can click that and, ladies, it will take you uh, to register for that event. And it's going to be just a really great weekend, as Carrie said. So I encourage you, you know, men, she made a great point. Encourage the women in your life to go. This is a great weekend. Listen, they need to be invested in and they need to be encouraged and refueled and just really uplifted as they, you know, do the things they do for all the people around them, which is so much. And so men, encourage the women in your life uh, to come to this ladies retreat. So that's going to be the April 26th or 28th. And we're looking forward to that. So be in prayer, church. That's anything that we talk about automatically. We're not even going to say it. Just be in prayer for it. Let's be praying for that weekend. That'll be a powerful weekend for, for the women of our church. The other thing is I want to say next weekend, uh, we're having our baby dedication. So all of you families, I know we have some new babies, which is always a wonderful thing. Listen, it is a wonderful thing to have a church that's growing and these families are growing. So so we, we are praising God for the new babies and, the, and uh, the new additions to our church. And so next weekend, we will be dedicating uh, the babies of our church. So if you would like to dedicate your baby, you can either go on the website Or you can just stop by the Welcome Center and uh, they'll take your information down and then we'll we'll get that all set up for next weekend. But we look forward to having these families on stage with their babies as we as a church pray for them as they dedicate their babies to do one thing. We want to raise our children to know Jesus personally and to follow him. That's incredible. So we're going to be a part of that next weekend, church, uh, as we dedicate our babies. As we continue on this morning, one of the things I want to make very clear is that our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as we continue to grow and follow Jesus, one of the ways that he grows is his giving uh, of our finances. And so, church, thank you for being faithful in giving. You can give uh, through the mail or the offering boxes we have here in the auditorium or in the foyer or online. But, church, thank you for being faithful in giving because we're giving towards Jesus to see that mission go forth. And so you're giving, and we are so grateful and be for you being faithful. As we continue on, would you stand with me uh, here in the church this morning? And I want to welcome those online. If you're a guest in the house, please stop by the Welcome Center when you leave. We have a gift for you. It would be a pleasure to just meet you and connect with you. So as we continue on this morning, let's pray and just ask God to continue to speak to us. Father God, we... Uh, we just lay all these events and these uh, different things that we have, these, these, these chapters, Lord, that we are turning, Lord, in our church. Lord, seeing uh, brand new babies born, Lord, we're seeing families grow. Um, Lord, we're seeing our family here at Crossroads grow. It's all because of you. It's all because of people that are praying. It's because people that are reaching. It's because people that are helping other people grow in their walk with Christ. It is an all-hands-on-deck kind of thing, and that's what we love here is that our mission is clear. It's about Jesus. It's about growing in Jesus. And it's about taking Jesus and sharing that message all over. Because, God, you know, the world is dark and broken and chaotic. And Christ is and will always be the answer. So, Jesus, we just come before you this morning. Lord, still our hearts, calm our minds as we focus and worship you, the creator. No one is more important than you, God. We worship you in this place. Would you be blessed Lord, as a result of us meeting this morning, Lord, hear the praises of your people. We ask it in Jesus' powerful, precious name. Meant to be opened, explored, pursued. It's made to be read, reread, applied and used. The sword of the spirit, the word of God, with wisdom life-changing to lead us on. It's made for guidance, to teach us His ways, showing what's true, right and worthy of praise. It's meant to be hidden, deep in our hearts, daily examined as the morning starts. No greater glimpse of God do we have, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path.
1: We're going to pick up after prayer and go into the Word. You know, we've spent the first few weeks of our new year going and looking at prayer, and we've looked at the 21 days of prayer. I hope you enjoyed that. Wasn't that a powerful season? Um, yes, let's thank God for all that he did. God's a great God. And I want to encourage you, inside of your bulletin, there's a little card there that says, uh, Don't Stop Praying. I hand these out to you last week. I want to encourage you this time, if you'll, if you'll fill, fill this out, it says on the back, my top three personal request to keep praying for if there's something that you can share with us that you would put down there that we can pray for our staff will pray over this there's a group of men that meet here every thursday i'm going to ask them to pray over it and uh if you'll just put that write that in there you can put it in the offering boxes as you leave today and uh and we will continue to pray because we are not going to stop praying in this church amen uh, this is what God's called us to do. We've begun the journey and you start off your year good. So 21 days is like, OK, this is the, the focal point, but it's not meant to be done in 21 days. You know, it's like it's like saying, well, I went on a diet for 21 days, you know, and then day 22, I want the pizza hut. You know, I mean, that doesn't work. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep on praying. And so I want to encourage you to take uh, take that book, the 21 days of prayer and turn it into 21 weeks of prayer. Uh, Take the first prayer, the second prayer. Make one prayer a week and keep meeting with God and grow your prayer time. I shared with you that one man in our church said that he'd start out praying just five minutes a day at the beginning of that book. And by the end, he couldn't believe it. He's praying over 30 minutes a day. And so what he's doing is he's learning how to have a conversation with God that lasts all day long. And God's moving and God's doing some incredible things in that guy's life. And so I want to encourage you, let's not stop praying. And then it says my top three people that I'm praying for. Who are the top three people that need Jesus in your life? Um, and just put their first name down. And we will be praying over them and uh, we're just looking forward to many great things that God is going to be doing here in our church. But as you, as you consider the lifelines of the Christian life, you, uh, you have this time with God in prayer and then you also have His Word, the Bible. And we're going to take a look at the, for the next few weeks at the power of his word. We're going to look at the, the reasons that you can trust the Bible. You know, and we're living in a world today where people just don't trust too much of anything. And then whenever you come up and you, you quote the Bible, they'll, they give you all kinds of excuses why they shouldn't believe that. And most of the time it's because, because they have an objection to something that is said in it, or they, uh, it's a personal objection. They don't actually object what is in the Bible outside the fact that, oh, well, it means something about me. And you see, the Bible Bible even says that his word is a mirror, right? So as we look into the mirror, sometimes I see things I don't particularly like and I have to make a change. And so the Bible is a very interesting book, though. I'll tell you what, as I walk around and I carry my Bible, um, many of you have the Bible on your phone. You know, the the world's so different now. Uh, I don't know whether I tell you to turn in your Bibles or to turn in your phones, right? And so you pull out your phone and you have the Bible app and you can follow along on the Bible, I, I was uh, at a hospital a few weeks ago, and I went to pray over a family, uh, over one of the people in the in the hospital bed there. And the family was gathered around. I pulled out my phone, and I said, "Well," they said, "What are you doing?" I said, well, "I'm going to read the Bible." They're like, "Wow, I guess times have changed, right?" But we have the Bible, and here's the deal. Let me tell you what our church believes about the Bible. If you go on our website, we have a uh it's, uh, it's called the beliefs. What do we believe here? One of the key tenets of our faith is this. Regarding the Bible, we believe in the Bible of the Old and New Testaments, verbally inspired as verbally inspired of God and inerrant in the original writings. We believe that this inspiration extends equally and fully to all parts of the Bible and that, the, and that they are supreme and final authority in faith and life. You see, what we do is we use the Bible to help us understand the world. We don't use the world to help us understand the Bible. The Bible is the central point of our faith. Um, actually, Jesus is the central part. Everything comes back to Jesus. But where do we learn about Jesus from? It comes from His Word. And uh, and as we go through this, I'm going to try and answer in the next next this week and next week talk about some of the things of uh, why you can trust the Bible. Because whenever you come down to the fact of this, if if the Bible is the authority, now there's a reason why people will question it because it's the authority. If you just said, oh, it's a nice book, It's it's a good book, there's a lot of good thoughts in there. But when I come down and I tell you that every word in this book is true, and every word in this book is authority for your life. Now this is the game changer, and this is where we get what we call a biblical worldview. So the biblical worldview means we look at the world by looking at the Bible first. We don't come to the Bible and say, this is how I feel, therefore this is what this means. We come to the Bible, and this is how we teach here in this church. We come to the Bible and we exegete, okay? What that means, that's a big fancy word preachers use. It means that we take the meaning from the passage. That's what we give to you, the meaning that comes out of the passage. I'm not reading my meaning into it. I'm not coming up here and just telling you, well, you know, this is how you can feel good. I saw one time I was flicking through TV and there was a, uh, a TV pastor on, which I guess I'm one of them too, right? Some of you have watched me on TV too, right? But uh, there was a TV pastor on and uh, he was doing the parable of the forest, uh the parable of the sowers, the sower and the seed. and uh, And he was trying to make it all about how you could do better in business and how, you know, live your dream. And he totally was far away from God. He didn't even bring up that the seed was the gospel. And so what we have to do, folks, I'm not going to come and give you things to make you feel good. I'm going to give you what is the truth of God's word. That's what we do in our church. So today, as we consider this, I want to remind you that the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew uh, there are a few portions that were written in Aramaic, so you have three languages actually, okay? But predominantly Greek and Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language, the New Testament being written in Greek. And, and when we say that uh, we're looking at the original Bible, we're going back to the original language that the Bible was written in. So let's look here our first verse this morning. As we look at how you can trust the Bible... This week I'm going to give you some reasons that you can find from within the Bible that are going to help you to be able to give people a reason that you can trust the Bible. And next week we're going to come and we're going to look at reasons outside of the Bible as well as inside the Bible, okay? So 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, this is what the Bible is. It is the Bible there. It's, it says all Scripture, so everything, all the Scripture, is given by inspiration of God. Now, that word inspiration, some translations will translate it God-breathed. Because in the Greek, there's a word, it's called theonoustos. Theo being God, neustos meaning breath or air. It's kind of like where you can almost see the word pneumonia in there, right? Neustos Nus. is where we get the same, the, some of our root words come from the same place. Theonustos, God breathed. Uh, the word in the Greek there, God breathed. And I, wonder, I want you to catch this because the Bible is the breath of God. The Bible is breathed out by God. Would you say that with me? The Bible is breathed out by God. Now, how can it be the breath of God? What is this? What does it mean that it's the breath of God? Uh, we're talking about God in his inspired book. He didn't just come along and, you know, when we hear the word inspired in English, we say, oh, well, that was inspiring. I feel motivated to go do something, right? I was inspired. Um, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about God breathed. God, it's, it's the very breath of God. This morning, you are listening to the breath of Ken Barner. Sometimes you hear a lot of it, don't you? I'm like,
2: <gasps>
1: if I'm really wound up, I'm a-huffing and puffing up here, right? But you're hearing the breath of Ken Barner. You know why? Whenever I speak, down from these lungs that God gave me up comes some air. That breath comes up. It goes over my vocal cords, and it makes a noise, and you get to hear it. So this is Ken Barner breathed. Look at that. You got a Greek lesson today, didn't you? That's the theonoustos is God breathe. You see, that's what he says. So, so the very word of God, we believe that these are God's words. It's, um, God used men to write it down, but the very words that you're reading are the breath of God. Now, consider that because when you get close to somebody and you can feel that breath or you can smell that breath. Now, now hopefully you're only close to your husband or your wife like that, Right. Um, that's, that's, you know, when I, you get close, you say, man, I can, I I know that I'm close. Um, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get close to God and the Bible is breathed out by God. Look what, look what Psalm 119.86 says, says that all your commands are trustworthy. Protect me, uh, protect me from those who hunt me down without cause. All your commands are trustworthy. So I want to encourage you today to consider the trustworthy commands of God. They are trustworthy. And so as we're looking and we're studying the Bible and you're thinking about the breath of God, I want you to consider with me this morning about how the God, the breath, the very breath of God, um, is something that you can trust. These words that we that we have written down in the Bible that you walk around, that you carry with, I want to encourage you to be reminded that this is coming from the very mouth of God, and therefore you can trust His words. Psalm thirty six, 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their host... By the very breath of the mouth of God, all of the hosts were made. Like God made these galaxies. And I want you to think about the galaxies that God has made. He says that comes from the breath of his mouth. Now, I want you to check this out. I was sitting, sitting down there watching TV this week, and up have come on the news that they had discovered 19 new galaxies. 19 new galaxies. Do I have a picture of those back there? I don't know. Okay. This is just one of the pictures that they published because we got this new, new web telescope that goes out and these galaxies are, they're discovering more and more galaxies out there. So they have 19. All right. <laughs> it's all right. Let's give him a hand. All right. He, he's saying amen. He's like, pastor, I love it. Right. All right. So, listen. I want you to check out the galaxies here. The, the, there are 19 new galaxies here today. And as you consider the galaxies of the of the of, of the world, they are made by the breath of God. And this is what the scripture says here. The scripture says, "By the breath of His mouth, all of their hosts were made." The word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. So the same power, now consider this, the power of all the galaxies, they were given here uh, to us, God has created us. And now we're just now discovering 19 new of them. Uh, we've been around a long time. Creation is uh, it has been around a long time. They're not newly formed. God made them whenever in the beginning he said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Right. So this is the power of the word of God. Whenever you come and you read the word of God, there is power in the word of God. And so what we've got to come, we've got to come and find that the breath of his mouth, uh, the, the Old the Old Testament, the Hebrew equivalent in the uh, in the Old Testament here, this word, the breath of his mouth, that's the same thing that you're reading over in the New Testament. That's the same equivalent inspired the breath of God. So we see that God has given us his word by the very mouth of God. God the Creator used men to write the scriptures, but they are God speaking. It is God writing down the words. He's using the men, but it's the word of God. The same mouth that spoke all of creation into existence is the mouth that spoke producing the scriptures. So when you consider this, that we have all these galaxies that we're just now discovering, and those were all put there by the mouth of God, by the very same power was the word of God given to you. It's God's love letter to you. It's God's word to help you understand. Here's what's powerful about the word of God. The word of God tells you where you came from. The whole world right now is trying to help you find where you came from. And they've got every crazy idea out there under the sun, don't they? The world will tell you to make up who you want to be, what you want to be. You can pick whatever you want, right? And I'll just stop there because I'm going to get crazy on it. But let me tell you, the world is saying, you know, if if you want to have a blue pair of shoes and you want to call them red, you go on ahead. That's your identity, right? Well, listen, that's just not what the what, what truth is. Truth doesn't work that way. The God of the universe has given us the truth, and we can go back and we look in the Bible, and it tells us where we came from. If we do not have a creator, it changes everything. And we have that in the Bible. Not only do we have a creator, we have a Savior. And the Savior is the, the biggest central part of the entire Bible. So I want, I want you to catch this. How do I know that I can trust God? The Bible. Time magazine many years ago put out this on their cover. How do I know? Is the Bible fact or fiction? And so we're going to talk a little bit about some of these things uh, this week and next week. And as we look at this, we're going to look at the claims of the Bible today. This morning, we're going to look inside the Bible. What are the claims of the Bible? Because I think many people have had objections to the Bible, but they've never read it. And then amazing. I think many Christians have never read the Bible. Uh, and listen, I would, I would, get, I would encourage you, if you call yourself a Christ follower, read the Bible through. You can do it in a year in 15 minutes a day. It's really that simple. 15 minutes a day. Um, and you can even listen to it on the Bible app, all kinds of things. I was just with Hal Brinig in the hospital. I went and stopped and saw him Friday. Hal is, uh, Hal is on a journey here. As you know, he's been, he's been battling cancers and all kinds of surgeries and infections, and uh, he is really struggling. But I went in and I sat down in a chair. And when you get with Hal, you just got to know you, you ain't getting out of there quick. Because Hal likes to talk. And Hal and I were having a talk. And Hal started talking. But he was talking real soft. Because he's weak. And what he did while I was there, he pulled up his phone and showed me where he's at reading in the Bible. He was in First or 2 Samuel. And then he... He pulls it up, and he's reading it while I'm there. He goes, Pastor Ken, I'm not bragging, but I've read the Bible through twice in the last few years. Now, I want to encourage every one of us to read the Bible through. There was a man that God got a hold of, and he was discipled, and he was taught how to read the Word, and guess what? He can't get enough of it. And in in this battle of journey that he's on, he's there reading the Word of God like crazy. You know what the Bible says in, in Proverbs? Bible, uh, scriptures tell us that the Word of God gives strength to your bone and health to your navel. Like, that's powerful. And I pray that for Hal, and I know that Hal is the child of God. And we're just praying, and I want to encourage you to continue to pray for Hal. But I, I, want to, I want us to understand that many people have problems with the Bible. They've never read it. And what they've heard, I think most of the time they have problems with Christians. All right, I'm getting into the wrong sermon right now, aren't I? Most of the objections are not with the Bible, they're with Christians who have taken a part of the Bible and, and, and pounded it. Uh, Listen, all truth in the Bible is truth. And so as we get out there, sometimes as Christians, man, we kinda, we kinda, we kinda don't show all of it. We don't show grace and truth. Sometimes we're only showing truth, sometimes we're only showing grace. We have to show grace and truth, just like Jesus did. I'm so glad that we have a Savior who is the perfect one, right? But let me just give you this, the claims of the Bible. Um, listen to the words from Exodus. I'm just going Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a barrage of scriptures here. You can just write down the references here under the claims of the Bible in your notes there. But uh, I'm just going to give you, I want you to watch the key phrase. Watch for God spoke the word of the Lord, the Lord said, okay? Exodus 20, verses 1 through 4. Then God spoke all these words, all right? So we see this is God speaking, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven, uh, what is in heaven above on or on the earth beneath in the water under the sea. So the Lord God, verse 1 there, God spoke all these words, says no idols. Exodus chapter 7, verse 2, we see the Lord said to Moses, See, I make you a god as a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. So he's giving him a command. I want you to go talk. You shall speak all that I command you. So we see this word from the Lord, and he's giving him an assignment to do. But we see the Lord said to Moses, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, 3, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and feed you with manna from uh, what you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, L-O-R-D, when you see L-O-R-D, all caps, that's Jehovah, God, the highest name. He's saying that you may know every word. You want to. You want to have this. You want to have strength in your life. Don't rely on food. Rely on every word that comes out of the Lord, out of the mouth of the Lord. Isaiah chapter one verse two. Listen, O heavens and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons, I have. Uh, sons, I. Have reared and uh, reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. So he says, for the Lord speaks. All right, Isaiah one ten. Hear the word of the Lord. We keep seeing this phrase over and over. If you go into Jeremiah, and I don't have these on the screen, but Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says that these are the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. So the word of the Lord came upon him. Verse 4, now the word of the Lord came to me, saying... This is the word of the Lord. Verse 9, then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched me both and the Lord said to me, uh, touch my mouth and the Lord said to me, behold I have put my words in your mouth. You see this is the word of the Lord and the word's putting his words in his mouth. We see this is where we get some scriptures. This is where the Scriptures come from. This is the inspiration of God. This is God-breathed. Verse 11, the word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? Verse 13, the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Verse 14, then the Lord said to me, Out of the north. And he gives them more directions. So in this first uh, first part of the chapter there, I've given to you six times that Jeremiah says, It's the Lord. The Lord said, the Lord came to me. It's the Lord's words. These are the words of the Lord. But I want you to catch this because as you go through the Bible, you'll see it's not just in the Old Testament. You'll see it's in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. The Word of God. So we have this powerful gift of the Word of God. In Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Psalm 2, 1 says, Why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? David wrote this. This is the book of Psalms. And this is one of the Psalms of David. So he cries out, Why are the nations in an uproar? Why are the peoples devising a vain thing? Well, if you go over into the book of Acts, what do we see in the book of Acts? Who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, so it was the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, Why did, you, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things, the vain things? So as you look at this, you say, wow, even in the New Testament they were verifying that this was the word of God. And we see the word of God continuing on through the New Testament. Um, I, want, I want you to catch this. There are... 1,500 occurrences of that phrase, the word of God. The word of the Lord came upon me. God said, this is from the Lord. 1,500 occurrences. You got a few more hours? We could go through them all. We'll be here till 10 o'clock tonight. This is the word of God, folks. I want you to catch that. Um, The other thing I want you to catch is the consistency of the Bible. The consistency of the Bible. Not only do we have the claims of the Bible, but let's look at the consistency of the Bible. Uh, and that's number two in your notes there. Two or three. I know. It's only 20 after. It can't be number three. I know that much. The consistency of the Bible. What is the Bible about? Uh, the Bible's storyline. I want you to consider the storyline of the Bible. I want you to consider the authorship of the Bible. Does the Bible have a, con- a coherent story? And it's witness to itself. Uh, The answer is yes, of course it does. Uh, The unity of the Bible is indescribable, uh, is is incredible when you think about it. Now, I want you to catch that. When you start to think about it, put this whole picture together. Just hang in there with me. I'm going to nerd out on you a little bit here, okay? The Bible was written over a period of 15 centuries. 15 centuries. 1,500 years the Bible's written, right? Right? it was written in three different languages I always shared. Greek, Hebrew, and a little bit Aramaic. Uh, you'll notice that during those 15 centuries, empires fell and empires rose. During those centuries, you have the rise of philosophies. You have the Greeks had Plato and Aristotle. You have other Greek philosophers. And then after the time of Jesus, uh, you have the Neoplatonism. I mean, so you had all these different philosophies that were coming and going. All these changes are going on in the world, and the books are being written, and the books are being collected. And not only that, but God used 40 different men to scribe it down. 40 different. And uh, some of them were kings, some of them were fishermen, some were tax collectors, some were prophets, and even Luke was a doctor. Thank God for the doctors, amen? They know details. And so God gives them This inspiration. And they write down this book. You have 66 books. When you're walking around holding your Bible, you're not holding just one book. You're holding 66 books. And they were compiled over a period of 1,500 years. And as you have it through this 1,500 years, they were also written spread about. Some were written in Asia. Some were in Africa. Some were in Europe. Some uh, Moses on Mount Sinai. Daniel was written in Babylon. And, of course... You can't even think about the New Testament with all the different cities where the gospel was going. And I want you to think about this today. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, over 1,500 years, I'm telling you, there's no collaboration in the Bible. This was not like, hey, let's put a book together, and we're going to come up with a scheme, and we're going to get people to follow it. Let me just give you an example. If I were to have 50 sheets of paper here eight and a half by 11, and I hand them out, and I just randomly pick 50 people from all over this auditorium, a few up in the balcony, a little bit on every side. And I just randomly put them out, and I stand up here, and I say, I want everybody to make a shape out of those papers. So these 50 people, are, they're, they're making a shape, right? And They're putting it together. And then I collect up all the shapes, and I put them together. What would the chances be that if I put them all together those random shapes from 50 different people in this one little building, that all those shapes would fit together and look like a map of the United States. It just wouldn't happen. And I want you to understand this about the Bible. God used these men. This is God's inspired word. It's from all these geographic regions. It has stood the test of time. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. It has... It, it it it's not based upon the circumstances of the world, although there are historical events, and you can go back and you can verify the historical events that happened in the Bible. You can verify geographic relation, uh, geographic locations, and all these things help us to understand. This is why I can trust the Bible. Now, there's a few other books that are written out there about some other leaders, like Muhammad, Confucius. Do you know? they don 't have near the data you can 't even verify things from them, so why are people upset with the Bible? because if the bible 's the authority, then what does it mean? It means that i got to change. if the bible 's the authority, then I have to surrender and trust God. I want you to consider the complete storyline of the Bible, the complete storyline of the Bible. you have fifteen hundred years that the bible 's written. And the storyline starts in Genesis and goes all the way through Revelation. And you can take this needle and thread and you can just watch the storyline go across the continents. All to the message of Jesus. Genesis 3.15. Now check this out. Genesis 3.15. Look what the scripture says. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall... Do I have the other slide? I think I have the wrong slide. There's there half the slide there? I'm just going to read it here. I will put enmity between you and the woman. So after, after we have the... Um, there we go. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. So this is after the sin. After Adam and Eve's sin, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers. He's talking to it's Satan. Satan was a snake. Well, he's not a snake. He took on the form of a snake, right? But he's more, he's worse than a snake. And so he gives us he gives us God himself gives the promise. This is the beginning of the promise of the future. He's saying this is what's coming. The cross is what's coming. He says, "I will put enmity. I will put problem. I'm going to create hurt and pain between you and the woman." Um how many women think that child Giving labor is painless. Not even one hand. I mean, we got some heroes in this room, but not one of them will say it's painless. You, you know where that came from? Come from right there at that passage. There's there's been this enmity. Every time you see a woman screaming in labor, just remember that curse. And look, it goes all the way to the cross. He says Between your offspring and her offspring. Between Satan and Jesus. If you follow the lineage from Eve, and you can follow it all the way through, all the way down to Jesus. And that's the center point of this book. You can find Jesus in Genesis. You can find Jesus in Exodus. You can find Jesus in Leviticus. Leviticus, it's all about Jesus. I had a teacher once, he taught us that. Uh, He said everything in Leviticus was a type, a type of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he gave us so many types, we were getting confused on everything. And so we had a little name for him. We called him the hyper typer. But let me tell you, every book in this Bible, you will find Jesus. Jesus. Oh, you may not see his name in the book of Genesis, but you'll see the promise. And look what he says, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Whenever you see this, he will crush your head. Satan, my promised one coming is going to crush the head of Satan. And when Jesus died on the cross, that's exactly what happened. Man, he came down and he crushed it. But if you've ever stepped on a snake, you know what happens. There was a bite. And on the cross, what happened to Jesus? He took the bite, didn't he? He was beaten beyond recognition. He died. He paid for your sin, for my sin, once and for all, forever. And so you see this whole story throughout the Bible. The Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament 181 times, primarily to show the fulfillment of prophecies. Somebody once said that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. In other words, it's there. You go and you'll, you'll find the New Testament. You can connect it. And uh, like what, with the Exodus, the Passover lamb, when they said, put the blood over the doorpost, the, the spotless lamb. Who was the spotless lamb that would come? Who did John say was the lamb of God? Oh, I'm getting chills thinking about this, folks. Like this is deep, this is powerful, this is the Bible that you're walking around with, and this is the Bible that you struggle to read. And I think if we understood the power in it, we would come to it and say, okay, God, I don't understand everything in it, but I'm going to hear from you today, and I'm going to continue to grow. The new is in the old concealed, and the old the old is in the new revealed. So the Old Testament, all those prophecies, and when you read in the book of Luke and you read in Matthew, it says this was done that it might be fulfilled, of the prophet's saying, and this was done that it might be fulfilled. We see God. Why? Because, listen, the test of a prophet. How did you know if a prophet was real? Is if his prophecies came true. Man, I want us to think about this today. We have, in the Bible, there's unity of symbols. There's all kinds of symbols in the Bible. Anytime you see fire, you think judgment. It's symbolic of purification and judgment when you see fire in the Bible. When you see oil, you think of the Holy Spirit. You can you can see the type of the Holy Spirit. When you see leaven, you can think evil or, or sin. Um, we're going to have communion in just a few moments. And as we have that, I want you to catch this, because the bread that you have is unleavened bread. There's no yeast in it. And that was, we can take that and say that's our symbol of the body of Christ because there was no sin in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Folks, the Bible, you cannot deny the Bible. Um, they're ta- as you go through the Bible, you'll find out that from Daniel, you go in the, the book of Daniel, um. In the Old Testament, then you go to Revelation in the New Testament. You'll see that Daniel starts a bunch of prophecies, and Revelation finishes them. Folks, I want to just share it with you like this. Either the Bible is true, or it's not true. The Bible is either true, or it's not true. And I'm going to tell you this. The Bible is true. Every word. This book does not just contain the Word of God. This book is the Word of God. And I'm going to give you more reasons next week. We're going to look from outside the Bible, give you some thoughts. But I just want you to catch this today because the Bible is either entirely true or it's entirely unreliable. Oh, there may be issues, and I'm not saying that there's not issues that we can't work through. I'm telling you that What Jesus said, he says, ask, seek, and knock. We talked about that in reference to prayer. I want you to talk about this in reference to understanding God and his word. If you will ask, the Lord is going to give it to you. God, give me your understanding. If you will seek him, what's he say? He says that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Diligently. You know what? If you're not opening up that book, you're not seeking him. You've got to get into this and you've got to find this. And this isn't about an academic experience. Let me tell you, just start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read those four. From now till Easter, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you just take John, I'm into 21 challenges all the time, right? John is 21 chapters. Just read the book of John. Read that over and over and over. You'll catch the life of Christ. You will hear from the power of God Almighty. You will hear from the very whew, the breath of God. Folks, I want to encourage us to do that today. Let's not think, all oh, the Bible's a good guide, but it's not the Word of God. I know in our church we believe it is the Word of God, but I want you to be convinced of it. And I want you to be so convinced that you look at the life, you look at the world through the lens of the Bible, not at the Bible through the lens of the world. Psalms 12.6 says that the words of the Lord are pure. The words of the Lord are pure. As silver is tried in the furnace, refined seven times. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And so today I want to encourage us to consider this as we come now to the time where we serve communion. I'm going to ask those that are serving communion if you'll come forward at this time and serve the congregation. And as they begin to serve you, I'm going to ask everyone to hold your communion until everyone has been served. But I want you to catch this because here is a, a very interesting verse here. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Um, and as you look at this today, let's read this together. It's on the screen there. It says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. If you were here on Tuesday. Gentlemen, you may serve the congregation. If you were here on Tuesday at Refuel, you saw Dr. Gary Habermas, and he worked through a timeline. And one of the things he talked about is how close the scriptures were written to the actual events. And we're going to talk more on that next week. But he referenced this verse here, 1 Corinthians fifteen three, And he talked about these verbal creeds because, remember, you didn't have a printing press talked about the verbal creeds that came after the resurrection and he dated this right to within a few years after Jesus rose from the grave. And the Apostle Paul says this, see, I'm passing on to you what I received and it's of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. You know what that says there? Just as the Old Testament predicted it just as it said in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all the way back to Genesis Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin but folks if it ended there it would be a bleak story wouldn't it? says, and that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day according to the Scripture's prediction. Folks, the bread you're holding in your hand is that unleavened bread. Let's pray over it this morning as Jesus did. It's a symbol for us to remember his broken body. Father God, we come before you today, Lord, and I thank you for this symbol of your broken body, Lord. That you asked us to hold this in our hand. You asked us to eat of it. You asked us to do this regularly, Lord. And as we are gathering together this morning, God, we call upon you. And just with every head bowed and eyes closed in this place this morning, if you've not yet opened your heart to trust Jesus, before we go to communion, before we take the Lord's Supper, I'm going to ask you to pray and receive him into your hearts. Just pray something like this. Dear God, I'm a sinner and I need you. I confess my sin before you and I believe that you died on the cross. You paid for my sin and you rose again. I give you my heart and soul right now. Father God, be with each person that just prayed that in this room or prayed that online, God. Move mightily now, Lord, as we receive your communion, Lord, this piece of bread that was broken for us, and you said to do this in remembrance of you. Lord, we do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And then he took the cup and on that very same night when he said this is the new covenant in my blood the new covenant between God and man that Christ died for our sins this was the new agreement you know what he was doing he was tying the Old Testament to the New Testament right there and he said I am the fulfillment of everything that was promised and this is the new agreement you don't have to Try to be good. You can't do what the Ten Commandments say. You don't have enough goodness. But Jesus was perfect, and He gave it all for you. Amen? Father God, be with us now, Lord, as we, as we take this communion, Lord, and we prepare to sing a song of praise to You, just like they did in the, in the New Testament. It says that after You gave them the Lord's Supper, they went out and they rejoiced and they sang of Him. And so, God, as we sing in just a few moments, be praised and adored. God, I ask you now to to take this cup, Lord, and allow your people to worship you. We ask your blessing upon it. We know this is juice. We know it's symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ. But we thank you for your sacrifice, the new covenant, the new agreement between God and man, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand together as we sing our closing song. And I want you to sing this with all of your might today. Great are you, Lord. God is so good. Amen. And let's sing this with all fervor today unto the Lord God Almighty. It's our worship. You've just celebrated his cross. Now worship him. Great are you, Lord. week. Church, you dismissed.